Welcome to Our Parents Did What? A tour of the parenting perils of yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. Hi, Diane. Hey, Jen. How are you? I am so good. I'm so good. I'm excited to talk to you today about our topic. It's pretty great. (laughs) I'm excited, too. I can't wait. I am excited to learn something today. (laughs) Oh, yes. I'm always excited to learn something. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's wonderful. Kind of exercise your brain a little bit because that whole mom brain thing is so real. Oh, it is so real. I feel like it's a struggle to stay intelligent. (laughs) Right. Sometimes I'll be talking to my students and I just I can't find the next word I'm looking for. Oh, yeah. And it feels like an eternity, but I'm sure it's just a couple of seconds. But I just have to look at them eventually and be like, I'm sorry, I haven't slept. <laughs> I haven't yep. slept in so long. <laughs> yep. I, I just I was talking to my boss today and I could not for the life of me remember a specific word that should have been really easy. I don't remember what it is now either. And and it finally came to me and I looked at him and I went, I don't know, man, babies. <laughs> She's just babies. He's very understanding, which is quite kind of him. That's awesome. So can you tell me, uh, did you have a a mom moment this week you want to share with us? I did. I had a pretty hilarious moment (laughs) this past weekend. I cut my children's hair and I'm very, I'm very proud of it. I enjoy doing it. It's something that lets me spend some one-on-one time with them. And initially the haircuts were really bad and now they've gotten progressively better. And so I was cutting my daughter Emma's hair and it, it had gotten quite long And I just kind of wanted to trim it a little bit because she likes to wear – she likes having what she calls Elsa braids. Anyone who's familiar with the current, you know, Disney landscape understands what that means. And uh, and her hair needs to be longer to do Elsa braids, which I can't actually really do. I just – like as long as it's up and has (laughs) a lot of like barrettes in it, she's super happy. So – but so I'm cutting her hair and my son Joey walks in and he wants my attention for some reason and I'm sort of like, Joey, get out. I'm trying to focus on what I'm doing and like I'm I'm getting flustered by him and I'm trying to focus on what I'm doing with her and I I go to do a cut in the very back of her hair and I think that I've reached the like I I left myself a guide a guideline like I cut the bottom layer so that I could then pull the top hair on top of it and cut and be in line with it but somehow I screwed up where the bottom line was and I cut her hair like all the way across the back like an inch and a half shorter than I had meant to. <laughs> I oh, had to like no. course correct on all of her hair and was just like, oh my gosh. And I and I, I made this sound when I did it. I went, oh, and Emma went, what's wrong? Oh, <laughs> and I was no. like, nothing, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> Thank God she can't see the back of her head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fine. I, I fixed yeah. it. Her hair's just shorter than I meant for it to be. <laughs> but the real question is, can she still do Elsa braids? So yes, I can still pull off an Elsa braid. It is not okay. as majestic as they once were, but a few months and it'll well, be fine. Hair grows. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so how about you? Well, my mom moment of the week uh, is actually very appropriate for this episode. I started cloth diapering this week, mm. which uh, which is very exciting. Um It was a good thing and a bad thing uh, all at the same time. Good thing in the sense that I was like, all right, I got all my supplies. I'm ready to go. I got this. And things were going great. Put the diaper on, snapped her up. I'm like, yes, I can do this. 
very first diaper we use, I'm sure it was a combination of a few things. Maybe I didn't snap it tight enough. But the biggest thing that I did is I put the insert in upside down. So the absorbent part was not facing her. And then she had not pooped since yesterday. And, and so she was really saving this one up for me. It was you know, really big. And uh, she let out the biggest poop explosion that she possibly could. And it just got everywhere. And I thought, well, if I can survive this in the very first cloth diaper I use, then I think I can handle anything because it was just the biggest mess in the world. Um, but we cleaned it up and we fixed it and I learned my lesson. I will never do that again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's where we are now. So now we have a clean diaper on and, and things seem to be going well now. Well, that's good. That's excellent. <laughs> dive into diapers, shall we? Yes, yes, diapers, diapers. All right. So, so diapers are an interesting an interesting story. There was a lot there that I wasn't I didn't know how much there was going to be there oh, until <laughs> until I started reading into it. So, so diapers today, the way we understand that they exist, how they are and everything. That is super duper modern. Like in all the history of humankind, diapers only really became a thing in, like, the mid-1800s. Before that, it was just, like, a totally different, totally different world. Was it just, like, poop everywhere? <laughs> there was definitely a lot of, like, oh, they just don't wear anything. That was that was a real thing. But so, but basically, the materials that were used were different and the practices around how babies were diapered or not diapered or whatever were different. So... The first thing I did when I started doing some research was I wanted to understand what people used as diapers before, you know, plastics and and super absorbent polymers and like all that stuff that we use today in, in diapers. So some of the many things that have been used over time for diapering include moss, like peat moss or just like tree moss, grass, <laughs> dried grasses, milkweed leaves, wool, Animal hide, seal hide, ooh, wood Ugh. shavings. Mmm, that feels oh. good down there. <laughs> oh my god! Paper, linen, and used flour sacks. <laughs> so, just like all the things. Can we go back to wo wood chips? Yeah, wood chips, wood chips. Like, like inside a hamster cage. <laughs> That sounds so painful. Yeah. Well, so I should say wood shavings, not like yep, chips. No, but still. So yeah. <laughs> Imagine like whittled on into. That? Yeah. No, I can't. It's. I mean, mm -mm. I'm sure. And and like, I'm sure if we looked into the history of like women's menstruation, you'd also see similar things where oh. it was like, oh, what did women sit on when they had their periods? You know. <laughs> so it's. Oh my god. All, I mean, the history of of catching bodily functions is <laughs> very fascinating. So. <laughs> So there were there were two uh, specific like indigenous or, or Inuit populations that have traditions that I thought were interesting. So Inuit tribes stuffed peat moss into seal skins that were then wrapped around the baby, which is sort of like, all right, well, I mean, that's what you had. That's how you did it. Yes. That kind of makes sense. <laughs> and then and then there was an indigenous people in Russia called the Chukchi. I'm, I may be totally screwing that pronunciation up but <laughs> it looks like chukchi uh and they carried their babies in fur sacks and stuffed the bottoms of the sacks with dried moss 
And then they'd replace the dried moss when it got soiled. And so I, I read an interesting story about how women, when they got pregnant, all of the people in the village and the women themselves would just start collecting moss <laughs> and drying it. So that so it was like, today, we get diapers at our baby showers, and these people would just, like, collect moss. That moss. was the most important thing. <laughs> they were like, get all the moss. There's a baby coming. So yes, that's that's what various peoples did but there were also people who they basically started like quote-unquote potty training right away where they'd try to anticipate when the baby was going to have some sort of bowel movement and just sort of like take it out of wherever it was take it out of the sack they were being carried in take it out of the house take it out of wherever and just put it like in the dirt and it's like okay go go here so (laughs) so much room for error (laughs) right yeah so so there was a lot of i mean it was before things were clean at all so everything was just discussing all the time back then so let's get into a little bit of etymology around the word diaper because this this was like the first big thing that i went what i had to like really do some some digging to understand it because at first I read it I was like what does this even mean so the word diaper and diapering and diapered are all historically nouns so when people said oh look at that diapering they were referring to a background geometric pattern on paintings and sculptures and pottery and things like that it was like a diagonal pattern that was put onto things. And so when the first diapers were made, they were made out of a cloth that had that pattern on it. So they were called diapers. And then that name just stuck with them. It's, It's actually historically, like if you look up diapering on Wikipedia or wherever, you're going to see like, do you mean diapering as in poopy diapers for a baby? Or do you mean like in the background of frescoes in Italy? So that was kind of interesting. There's, you know, it it was it wasn't until sometime in the 1800s i think that the word diaper began being used for something to poop in <laughs> that's really cool i had no idea mm-hmm. and then in the uk they say nappies which is a diminutive of napkins so that's how they that's how that word kind of came along so there are two big differences between diapers before the 1800s and after the 1800s. So the two big differences, these are like, I apologize in advance. This is going to get a little bit gross. The first one is diapers were changed only once every few days. (laughs) Every few days? Days. The other thing was that soiled cloth was rarely washed. So when you had soiled cloth, they would just like wipe it off and lay it out to dry put it back on the baby. <laughs> so No. Oh no. Yeah. So you were just wearing disgusting stuff all the time. Every so often they would wash it. Those babies must have stunk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was really gross. So I mean, I think everybody stunk back then. So <laughs> Yeah. It was probably like, "Oh no, this is just how we all smell." <laughs> so basically the departure from this practice, from these practices, yeah. coincided with the acceptance of germ theory of disease. So like people were like, "Oh, Bacteria, germs, disgusting stuff. And that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. So like when that started coming on the scene in like the mid-1800s, people were like, oh, we should like actually clean these things that we were putting on our baby, especially if we're going to reuse it. Some of the things like with moss, like that's just garbage now. You just throw that next to the bush on the side of your house, like whatever. It's, you know, (laughs) it's dead to me. But when people started using reusable things to catch poop and pee, they would just reuse them. So 
So we're going to go back a little bit further. I'm going to jump around a little bit. I'm I'm not on a completely, what's the word? Straight trajectory. Straight trajectory. There you go. So in the mid-1400s, there were 10 frescoes. If you're familiar with the term fresco, it's like a beautiful work of art by a man named Girolamo. Nope, that's not it. I'm sorry, <laughs> what? <laughs> Girolamo? Girolamo? I don't know. I you you'd think I'd be able to to figure this out because I'm Italian and it's an Italian name. Can you spell it? G I R O L A M O. Girolamo. 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 Yes. Yeah. So Girolamo della Robbia. That's easier. <laughs> Lovely. So he was an Italian potter, and he made these ten beautiful frescoes above the entrance of the. I'm gonna try this because I can. I can sometimes speak Italian. Ospedale dei Innocenti. Innocenti, sorry, Innocenti. Nice job. Um, so it's the Hospital of Innocence, I believe, or like Children's Hospital, basically. And so they were these ten frescoes that were babies in different stages of being swaddled. So, so from like full swaddle to just it like wrapped a little bit around their feet. So. They were wearing what were known at that time and what we still know today as swaddling bands, which are strips of fabric or linen, which are wrapped around in very intricate ways to hold a cloth onto a baby. So you'd take this cloth and put it on the baby and then you'd wrap them in the swaddling bands and eventually you'd change the cloth. But the problem was that the swaddling bands took so long to get on the baby and were such a, you know, intricate thing that... You weren't going to put the swaddling bands on and then two hours later take them off to change the cloth. That baby was sitting in that cloth. Like, <laughs> that's just how it was going to be. So the so these frescoes really showed how how this was actually done. And one of the images of the frescoes was actually adopted as the logo for the American Academy of Pediatrics and is still their logo today. So if you want to see what they look like, you can look at their logo. So once a child was past swaddling age, they were often naked because it was just easier and kept outside a lot of the time. Just like, oh, here, go, go. <laughs> go be outside because you're just going to poop everywhere. But then diapers began to be used more regularly as a result of the Industrial Revolution because people now had things. They had rugs. They had couches. They had stuff that they didn't want to get poop all over. So they were like, oh, we have to like cover up our babies so that they don't ruin all our stuff. So thank you, Industrial Revolution. Yes, I feel like the Industrial Revolution is going to come up a lot in this podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So there are a lot of like key moments in history, the Industrial Revolution, the germ theory of disease, and World War II. We're going to see all of them today. <laughs> so in... 1849 we're going to we're going to go forward a little bit in time in 1849 we had the invention of something that made today's cloth diapers a thing that could exist and it is do you want to take a guess what was invented I don't know it was the safety pin oh my god duh <laughs> yep the safety pin in 1849 by mr walter hunt ah, and he walter. came up with the safety pin way to go man and people were like oh i can actually like get this thing to stay on my baby before that they either tucked the cloth into like into itself or into the shirt or they tied it to the shirt all sorts of different things to try to like keep it up there was 
baby suspenders for diapers at one point. You wrapped the <laughs> you wrapped these strips around their shoulders and underneath their groin and it held the <laughs> the fabric in place. Just very silly. So it was there's a lot of funny stuff in like how we tried to get diapers onto babies before the safety pin was invented. And from there, like from the safety pin, people realized, oh, these aren't actually very safe. So then you got into snaps and then you got into Velcro and you got into all sorts of different things. So there was a big evolution in just how we secure diapers and that's its own separate thing. Oh, the other thing that I saw that I wanted to mention because I thought it was one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen. So when safety pins were still being used in like the 20s, 30s, 40s, before we really got away from them and said these aren't safe to use anymore, they wanted to like make the sides of baby diapers super cute, I guess. And so so you found safety pins where they'd put little things on them, like little cute bunnies or, you know, whatever on the safety pins. But one of the things that was really popular was little guns and holsters <laughs> for your little cowpoke. <laughs> like you'd, you'd put it on, they look like these little tiny holsters on either side of their waist. I love it. I love <laughs> it's just it. Like that's too funny. So, so yes, there was a lot of that kind of, a lot of that kind of silliness going on. So, so, so um, cute. because it was very important to like have your baby be a representative of you and who you were and what, you know, you wanted all the cutest, best stuff for your baby. And so, like, you needed all the silly designer things. <laughs> so, all right. So, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about the world of diapers is that most of the biggest inventions from the diapering, from diapering history were created by women because women cared about that stuff because they had to deal with that shit every day. Seriously, literally. (laughs) So, so, whereas like men were like, well, we don't really have to deal with this. So we're not super worried about it. So a lot of women would come up with these great ideas for things. And then the men who were in the manufacturing world were like, we've never heard someone ask for that. So no, ma'am, we are not going to make your thing. So a lot of diaper advancements could have been made earlier had the men who were in control said, oh, yes, this is a great idea, lady. Let's do this. So Get it together, men. I know, Come honestly. On. So in 1887, Maria Allen invented the first mass-produced diaper. So she was like the first person who was like, we're going to make diapers. And it was a cloth reusable. Obviously, we don't get disposables until much later. But yeah, she was like, oh, let's let's make these things that we can use over and over again. And so so the first time it was really mass produced was 1887. And for a long time, it was just just a diaper. That was it. That was all you were wearing was just this piece of cloth. And so they had to be changed very quickly. It was like, get that diaper off. It is dirty. There was nothing to protect from it then like leaking all over the place. So eventually people started making wool covers and you could lanolize those or they had natural lanolin in them from the sheep and and that would make it somewhat waterproof. But then eventually those were replaced, wool covers were replaced in the early 1900s by rubber pants. Rubber <laughs> pants. Mm-mm. No, thank you. So those were obviously really uncomfortable. Oh Babies God. chafed. It created like a really bad environment in your in your nethers for oh. like poop and stuff to just hang. It was not it was not good. So so eventually oh. <laughs> eventually we got away from rubber pants and started using plastic because plastic was less expensive to produce and it was less irritating on baby skin. It was lighter, it breathed better, rubber doesn't breathe, <laughs> and baby skin needs, you know, air. 
<laughs> so tough. So basically, here's where we reach World War II. Um, there were two major things uh, that happened in the world of diapers as a result of World War II. First, women had to join the workforce because all the men had to leave. So we see the creation of the diaper service. I don't know if you are familiar with this, but they exist today still. It was like the milkman. You'd go outside, there'd be a box of freshly linen or freshly laundered cloth diapers. You'd bring them inside, you'd use them, you'd put them back out in their disgusting box. A couple days later, they'd come pick them up, bring you some fresh ones. So this meant that women didn't have to be spending all of this time laundering cloth diapers because to launder a cloth diaper was like a big ordeal because they're really they get really dirty and we didn't have machines like we do now so it was a lot of like you know you'd have to wash them over and over again in in your basin or whatever a lot of manual so labor scrubbing a lot of manual labor yep so then the other thing that happened was cotton was a wartime material um and every spare scrap was donated to the war effort so people weren't making a ton of cloth diapers and so you needed to figure out a way to sort of use alternate materials or reuse materials more than you were before. So the diapering services came in handy for that as well because you people weren't buying them and then disposing of them. It was, no, I'm buy, I'm not buying them. I'm renting them essentially. So, so it helped with that as well. So then also as a result of World War II with this whole idea of, well, we we need the cotton for other things. What are we going to, what are we going to do for diapers? The first disposable diaper idea came from this man named Hugo Dragnell, who worked at a a Swedish paper company. And his concept was, well, instead of the cotton, we'll just put paper in the rubber pants and the plastic pants. We'll just put paper in there. It's fine. We'll just... I have lots of paper at my paper company. I will put paper in these. <laughs> I've got so, too much paper. So, I'm just lousy with paper. So, so they started putting paper uh, into the into the rubber pants to like absorb everything. So he used like a like a cellulose uh, scraps of cellulose paper to put inside. That sort of like that was like kind of an okay idea. It was he was heading in the right direction. This idea of like you could put something into a baby's diaper cover. And then throw it away. And mm-hmm. that was like, oh, this is great. This would be much better than having to launder all these things all the time. So then in 1946, just a couple years later, Marion Donovan, who is a lady. Hi, Marion. Um, she's credited with the invention of the first disposable waterproof diaper called the boater. Ooh. <laughs> she created the prototype in her house from her shower curtain. Way to go, Marion. Wow. <laughs> Innovative. Um, the covers, it's just, she was very smart. So then, going back to World War II for a hot second, the covers, once they began being mass produced, were made from army surplus nylon parachute material. That's pretty cool. Ooh, right? So cool. Um, and they were sold at Saks Fifth Avenue. Wow. <laughs> yep. So there was an absorbent paper. They were still on paper. that was placed inside and could be then disposed of after they were soiled. So great. She sold her patent for this amazing design for a million dollars. <gasps> Way to go, Marion. That's a, million a lot of money back then. In back then money? Back then, yeah. So that would be yeah, like yeah. probably like ten million dollars now. More I don't even know. More than I'd have that. to I'd have to go look up the conversion because it's yeah. Well, you it, don't have it was time. a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money for a lady back then. Whew. So the two part systems uh, got heavily developed during this time. 
and primarily by women because women really cared about this issue. We've got Valerie Gordon. She created a diaper called the Patty, and she was given a patent for the design. Then there was a woman named Lil Carhola Wettergren. She was the daughter of Hugo Dragnell, the paper guy. She also created a two-part system, uh, which expanded on her father's insert design. So so just like they had made it a family business at that point. Cool. <laughs> so at this point, several women had attempted to pitch completely disposable diapers to manufacturers, who all happened to be men, and they didn't see it as a high priority, so they didn't pursue the idea. But after the war, women wanted to continue working and wanted a way to eliminate cloth diaper washing from the routines. So eventually, the voices of the masses got the attention of all those guys, and somebody decided at Procter & Gamble, two men decided at Procter & Gamble to actually put some research into this idea of completely disposable diapers. In 1959, that's when they started their research, and then in 1961, Procter & Gamble put out their diaper. It was called... Pampers. Pampers. So here we go. Pampers. First things on the market from Procter and Gamble. Um, and then Kimberly Clark went into competition with Procter and Gamble with their diaper a few years later. Huggies. <laughs> Still all the same diapers we know and love today. So so yeah, so all the competition led to less expensive products, better design all that kind of stuff. So so the, the consumers really benefited from all of this. So between the 1960s and the 1990s, disposables were the norm. Everyone used them. It was seen as this super modern convenience, and why would you ever do anything else? But then in the 1990s, environmental groups started to advocate for a return to cloth, as disposables of the time were not biodegradable, which we know now. Now they're much better. So at this time... It was noted that disposable diapers made up 2% of the world's non-biodegradable waste, which is, is pretty high. So that's like in the early 90s, right? Cloth had been gaining in popularity since then, but disposables were catching up. So you've got cloth, you've got disposables. People are trying to decide, like, what what should I be doing? What's more environmentally friendly? And and then you get the people who are saying, well, well, let's just make disposable diapers better for the environment, which has happened more now. You've got diapers made out of bamboo. You've got diapers that are just biodegrade a lot faster. They take years instead of decades or hundreds of years to, oh, to decompose. Then the argument became, well, when you wash your reusable diapers, your cloth diapers, how many times do you need to wash them to get them clean? And how much energy is that using? How much is your carbon footprint from doing all that washing as opposed to just disposing of something that is environmentally friendly? So there are all these different, but it's also less expensive to use cloth because you buy them once and then you're done. So there are a lot of, there's still a big debate going on in the diapering world. I have two interesting facts to share now that, that we're about ready to wrap up. So I have a question for you first. What were the first characters to ever appear on diapers? Characters? Like uh, like cartoon characters? Yes. I guess like a cartoon. They're not really cartoon characters. It's like the first designer diapers had something on them. Oh, boy. Um, and what year was this? 1984. 84. Mickey Mouse. Oh, it's a good guess. It was cabbage patch oh okay okay that makes sense yep yeah 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 so all right so then my other fact which is 
I think startling and a little bit grim, uh, something to to leave this episode with, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it's important. We should be aware of what's been going on. By 2006, which was granted over 10 years ago, American babies have worn 3.6 million tons of disposable diapers, constituting 2.1% of all municipal waste. So diapers are a big thing. And some of those diapers are forever. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. Holy moly. I know. Diapers are a big deal. I feel like there's more to be said about diapers. There's a lot of interesting marketing involved. There are a lot of really interesting advertisements from like the, the 1920s to 1960s all around diapers that are just mind-blowing. There's one – basically what the advertisement was saying was cons- be considerate of others. Make sure that your baby is in the very best cloth diaper because people like to fondle babies and you don't want to get your baby's poop all over them. (laughs) Like everything about this advertisement was wrong. And I know that the word fondle meant something different then, but it still felt wrong. (laughs) It still felt like, no, we shouldn't be saying this. And also like, make sure your baby is presentable for other people. (laughs) I hate this idea of this historical idea of like your baby needs to be a socially acceptable member of society yeah, <laughs> and that will reflect on you. <laughs> like, like babies are just tiny adults. <laughs> yeah. My baby's a hot mess and so am I. Deal right. with it. <laughs> I would not have done well back then. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh my God. So I think that's it. So I guess uh, you can find us all over the internet at uh, OPDW Podcast. We're OPDWpodcast.com or at OPDW Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. There's a group for us on Facebook. Please like and subscribe our podcast, give it a review on iTunes, all sorts of things. Um, we hope you come back for a future episode. Until next time, don't put wood shavings in your baby's diaper. Oh, and one last thing. A huge thank you to Theo Rosenberg for composing and recording all of the music for our show. Thanks, Theo.